Welcome to the Politics of Fish podcast, the American Sport Fishing Association's bi-weekly podcast covering the people, organizations, and issues that impact the recreational fishing industry. I'm your host, Mike Leonard, Vice President of Government Affairs for ASA. On this episode, my guest is Kurt Thede of the Association of Fish and Wildlife Agencies, who joined to talk about a generational bill being considered right now in Congress to support state wildlife conservation called the Recovering America's Wildlife Act. As we discuss, this bill provides much needed funding to the states, territories, and tribes to prevent species from becoming threatened or endangered. And oh, in the process, better fisheries will be created too. We also talk about our role in the implementation of the infrastructure law that I'm sure you've heard so much about. Lots of funding for fish and wildlife projects like improving fish passage was included, and AFWA is helping to lead a coalition, including us at ASA, to work with the federal agencies on how this funding should get spent. These are great examples of the behind the scenes work that groups like ASA and AFWA do on behalf of sportsmen and women and the sport fishing industry. And hopefully you enjoy a peek behind the scenes. All right. Well, I'm pleased to be joined on this episode of Politics of Fish podcast with uh, Kurt Thede, who's the Government Affairs Director at the Association of Fish and Wildlife Agencies, which is a great partner group that we at ASA have been working with for, uh, I'd say, many decades, uh, maybe the titles of each organization have changed a little bit over the course of this partnership, but um, the uh, the linkage between industry and state fish and wildlife agencies is is certainly strong. And from an organization level, trade association for the industry, and AFWA is sort of the trade association for the state fish and wildlife agencies. And um, welcome, Kurt. You've been on the helm for ten months or so, which I'm sure has gone by fast. But uh, but welcome to the show, and, and great to have you here in DC working on all these fisheries issues with us. Yeah, thanks a lot, uh, Mike, for the invitation, and uh, certainly looking forward to uh, today's conversation. And you know, likewise, I've uh, just greatly appreciated um, you know as I've been coming up to speed on uh, all the major policy issues affecting uh, fisheries, uh, just the ability to uh, to pick up the phone and compare notes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, if if folks can't tell by the accent yet, <laughs> you're not from DC originally. Uh, you are from, I believe, Wisconsin, right? At least that's, you were with the state agency before this. So give folks a background. Where did you come from? How did you get involved in the natural resource space? Yeah, sure. Um, so my, uh, my background does go to the Midwest, uh, born and raised in Wisconsin, had a 18-year uh, career with the, uh, the state uh, fish and wildlife agency there uh, in Wisconsin. Um, for folks that might not realize, there's not many of the big kind of super agencies uh, left um, in the uh, the United States. And what I mean by that is uh, in Wisconsin, they had both the uh, environmental regulatory agency, uh, forestry parks and fish and wildlife uh, all under one roof. So that was the agency that I called home for about 18 years. And uh, following my uh, tenure there, I, I did spend three years in the uh, I came up through the wildlife program, but spent my last three years in the uh, deputy as a deputy secretary for that agency, uh, and then did a, uh, a brief stint of three years in Chicago with uh, US EPA uh, Region 5 office, which is the Great Lakes uh, National Program office, um, prior to, uh, to joining the association here, which is, in case you said, about 10 months ago. So that's, uh, that was kind of my quick run through of, uh, of kind of where I started and, and how I ended up here. Great. Well, it's a, I think a great background to lead you to where you are now. Certainly appreciate the expertise and, and skill set you've brought to, to AFWA and really the whole community. So I, I mentioned, I don't know if you all look at it this way as AFWA is sort of a trade association for the state agencies. I guess, how would you 
characterize AFWA? Do you have a different description? And maybe talk about the role of AFWA, particularly on a policy side. Yeah, yeah great question. And, and I guess the, the way that we often uh, very quickly summarize what, what AFWA is to the state fish and wildlife agencies is that's the, uh, we try to be the voice uh, for the, the state agencies. You know, certainly when I was uh, a, a director representing the state of Wisconsin, I certainly appreciated my interactions with AFWA and the association to keep me up to speed on what was happening in, in Washington, D.C. at the uh, policy level, um, flagging legislation that might be impacting our ability to uh, manage uh, our resources within the state. Uh, and then also, uh, probably even more so, was just the interaction of federal agency partners uh, that we work with on, on numerous occasions, just in regards to policies that, uh, or regulations or rules that might be coming down that we want to pay close attention to. You know, one example that comes to mind is the Endangered Species Act. Um, that's certainly something that is a, a federal program, but there's a, a lot of uh, interaction that that occurs, obviously, with with those species, whether they're listed or not, within the states. So, you know, just one example, um, you know, that interaction and and how we try to to serve the states. For those that aren't familiar with the association, we do represent all of the state fish and wildlife agencies in North America. We try to uh, make sure that we're advancing their interests and you know paying close attention to uh, their authority uh, to manage the the fish and wildlife within uh, their their boundaries and their borders and you know just trying to really be their voice you know amplify their uh, concerns or priorities and then also uh, flag for them uh, issues that they may want to be aware of. Well, it's a really important function, and you know I think the sport fishing industries cross most issues on the same page. I think that's probably true for the states on the whole, but at the same time, given, uh, you know, 50 different, well, plus territories, jurisdictions and, uh, and different uh, politics that may get involved. I imagine you got to find those areas of consensus or close to it uh, to focus on where it's, you know, affect all the states, all the states have a very similar position and leave the issues where, um, disagreement or partisanship or whatever else may get involved, uh, leave that out of probably what you all have to do. Uh, I mean, is that generally the way it works? It's more of kind of consensus positions across the states. Yeah, it's certainly something we strive for. You know, I, as you'd indicated, you've got uh, all of the, uh, the, the the provinces, territories, you know, the District of Columbia, the states, um, they all have their unique um issues, uh, unique challenges, each of them have their own politics. So, you know, to the extent that, you know, I've always been impressed that, you know, conservation, uh, and I've certainly seen that from my my time here, um, you know, conservation is largely an issue that Democrat, Republican, uh, independent, everybody can rally behind is, you know, a uh, healthy uh, habitat and um, strong fish and wildlife populations, and, you know, the ability to recreate uh, and utilize uh, those same resources. So we we do strive for consensus uh, the best that we can. But you know there are those issues that we we bump into, which uh, you know sometimes can be uh, polarizing as a result of you know whether it's the uh, uh, local uh, politics, local considerations, you know within the state. And so we certainly are are mindful of that. And having worn that hat myself, I know that there's you have to uh, appreciate that there are perspectives that will be brought to the table and. We try to at least, uh, you know, strike a balance um, and uh, find what what we can. I think, as you indicated, Mike, that we we can agree on and, and advocate for here. I think one of those areas that there's pretty 
broad agreement on is the bill I want to talk to you about today, which is the Recovering America's Wildlife Act. Um, I, I hope listeners have heard about this because it's something we at ASA have been <laughs> helping to push for a while, as well as just about every other organization and uh, an agency that works in fish and wildlife really for several years now. And I don't know that we've been near as close to getting this monumental piece of legislation finally enacted as we ever have been uh, at this moment. Um, but before we kind of get into the process and where the bill stands, um, Kurt would, would ask you if you could give a summary of, uh, and, and it's long names, Recovering America's Wildlife Act. We'll probably end up calling it RAWA quite a bit. That's the way things work in DC. You <laughs> make it into an acronym and then have a funky way of pronouncing that acronym. But RAWA is what we generally go with. So what, what's the history of RAWA? What's, what's kind of the need? Where did this idea come from? And, and how does it support the work the agencies are already doing and uh, hopefully supplement a lot of the funding that's already coming in? Yeah, it's um, and looking forward to an opportunity to, to talk to, uh, to you all about this specific piece of legislation. And uh, first, would just start off with uh, appreciation uh, for all that uh, ASA and, and you and your members have been doing to help spread the word on this important piece of legislation. You know, I'm sure many of your members and listeners are, are well aware of uh, Pittman Roberts and Dingle Johnson, the you know, the, the, the federal um, excise tax that provides majority of the federal funding for um, fisheries and wildlife related and recreation law enforcement safety programs within uh, state agencies. And so when you think about uh, funding a state agency, you've got your license revenues and you've got your, you know, your federal revenues that come in through PR and DJ that largely uh, provide the funding uh, for programs. Some states like Missouri um, have had the ability to um, pass a sales tax that provides some additional funding, but by and large, you know, those two pots that I had mentioned, the, the license revenue for uh, fishing, uh, hunting license, uh, recreational vehicle licenses, and then the PR and DJ is really what agencies have to run on. You know, that, that has done a tremendous thing, you know, it's well known, you know, across the, the, the continent, throughout the world of this model that we have for funding our our conservation activities. But one of the areas where we've, we've struggled is finding funding for the, uh, the non-hunted or non-fished species, the non-game species, if you will. Uh, and that's where we've been lacking. Um, just calling upon my experience back in Wisconsin, uh, we had um, the requirement, Congress basically required every state to come up with a state wildlife action plan tremendous amount of work uh, goes into these plans. Uh, they've been doing it for, you know, for decades of pulling together the needs um, for uh, managing uh, species of greatest conservation need is how they're referred to. And it's basically those critters that need some additional protection that aren't ready to be listed on an endangered and threatened species list, but without, you know, proper management and resources could uh, end up as, you know, folks say in the, in the emergency room, if you will, of needing protection under uh, the Federal Endangered and Threatened Species Act. So for, for quite a while, we've been trying to figure out as a community, how do we find funding for these species uh, and their habitat? The State Wildlife Action Plan that was required did a great job of documenting the need, but there really wasn't the funding there to implement those plans. Um, so what was created was something called the Blue Ribbon Task Force. Um, and this would have been around uh, when I was a state director of uh, industry, former state elected officials, um, all coming together, folks from the NGO community, 
uh, and identifying what is the need. And the number they came up with was somewhere on the order of about $1.3 to $1.4 billion a year of need to keep these species from you know, becoming threatened or endangered. So um, what they did is then they identified a, a way to um, put legislation together that would provide funding. So what we have, um, there are a number of efforts through the years to try to kind of crack this, uh, this puzzle. Uh, 30 years of trying to find this funding source. And that Blue Ribbon panel um, put together what we now know as Recovering America's Wildlife Act. It was their work that basically created this probably once a, you know, in a generation type of uh, consequential um, legislation. What the, uh, the act would do uh, is basically, uh, as I'd indicated, would provide you know, roughly $1.3 billion a year in permanent dedicated funding uh, to state fishing wildlife agencies uh, to help implement those state wildlife action plans, provide much needed um, uh, support for um, the, the non-game uh, species, but also, as we all know, um, habitat, uh, whether it's game or non-game, are going to benefit when you're putting um, you know, good uh, sound habitat practices on the, on the land, on the water, in the riparian areas. Yeah, well, appreciate that. And that's a point I keep trying to drive home. Well, a few points I try and drive home. One is that, yeah, even though this is targeted at non-game species, the related benefits, uh, cleaner waters, better habitat, um, that's obviously going to benefit the whole uh, system, including uh, the sport fish that, that our folks care more about. Not to say we don't care about the non-game critters, but we like catching the ones that we're, we're allowed to catch. Uh, that's one point. The other point, and Maybe we should have made this clear up front, even though it's called the Recovering America's Wildlife Act. It's really fish and wildlife that, um, you know, the state wildlife action plans, another <laughs> clarification there with state wildlife action plans that that all includes fish as well. And I guess maybe depending on how you define wildlife, it's assumed that fish is part of that too. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that that's, uh, it, it's going to benefit the sport fish and the, the aquatic side as well. And, um, and really from a management standpoint, uh, you, you know, you touched on this, the, the state agencies continue to face these requirements to manage uh, and deal with these um, these non-game species. And if the, the dollars are only coming from from sportsmen, um, that means our our dollars are getting strained and going less to the uses that we want to see them go towards. So really, this is um, sort of backfilling the need that's already there and providing the agencies with the funding for the authorities that they're already going to going to have to to be grappling with to begin with. And then the last point I'll make is while 1.3, 1.4 billion may sound like a lot of money, uh, although in the days of, you know, a trillion or two here, they're getting approved by Congress every uh, several months or so, uh, maybe 1.4 billion is not so much anymore these days. You know, the the investment there, because uh, Kurt, I know you know this well, when species do get listed under the Endangered Species Act, that triggers quite a bit of spending and uh and work that has to get done to try and delist those species which doesn't have the greatest track record in terms of success so put some resources towards preventing that from happening in the first place that can ultimately save taxpayers and, and agencies and everyone else a lot of money down the road as well as all the benefits we get in the meantime so really important bill and appreciate all the work half has put into to getting it to where it is now so let's talk about you know process wise where does this sit i mean i feel like every couple of days, I'm still getting alerts of the House or the Senate bill gaining some new co-sponsors. It's been on the House and Senate committees and votes. So can you give the lay of the land where the House and Senate bills currently sit within Congress? 
Yeah, nope, happy to. And this is uh, probably as close as we've ever been, um, you know, to, to getting to this point of securing this funding. In the, uh, in the House and the Senate, it has made it both uh, through markup and, and passed out of both the uh, committees of jurisdiction. So in the House, it had a, a markup at the end of uh, last year, um, and that uh, was in the House Natural Resources Committee. Uh, in the House, we're currently sitting at uh, 177 bipartisan co-sponsors, and you know, as I'd indicated, you know, earlier in our conversation, you know, Mike, about the uh, bipartisan nature of conservation, and I think this bill is just a, a prime example of that. You know, so we're at 177 uh, in the in the House, uh, and then in the Senate, uh, also passed through the uh, Senate Environment and Public Works Committee uh, with a successful bipartisan vote. And there we're sitting at 34 bipartisan co-sponsors. So good, strong momentum. Now, you know, the big push is getting the bill to the floor this summer. And, um, you know, that's something that we're, um, we're, we're certainly um, along, you know, not only the, the coalition of partners, but also, uh, you know, Senator Heinrich, Senator Blunt, who have been champions in the Senate and, and Congresswoman Dingell. Um, as well in the House, you know, have really been, um, you know, trying to target uh, this summer uh, and early in the summer to try to get uh, action on the floor in both houses for this piece of legislation. Yeah, well, it's a big number of co-sponsors. I mean, that's roughly, what, a third of each chamber that's a co-sponsor of this bill uh, that that put their name on it. So that's, that's saying a lot. And yeah, to your point, haven't been this far along before, despite past iterations of this. So um, what what do you see being the big hurdle besides, you know, the upcoming midterm elections and the congressional calendar and limited number of days? Uh, I know there continues to be discussion of uh, a pay for for this. Is this money that's going to be offset by a revenue stream? You know, where do you see us kind of still needing to go in terms of fine tuning this to, to ultimately be able to get the votes needed to get it passed by each chamber? Yeah, and you know, I, I think one of the things we're really encouraged by is that uh, leadership in the Senate, um, as well as the House, um, are aware of this legislation and uh, aware of the uh, the importance of it. So I think you know, at least as far as getting the leadership's attention and you know, a commitment to getting to the floor, we we've certainly been able to help encourage that along. So I think that's encouraging. But you know, I think one of the things that we heard both in the Senate and hearing and uh, markup, as well as the House hearing and markup was this idea of a pay for and uh, trying to identify how, you know, this, uh, this, this could be offset. The Senate version does identify uh, a pay for, if you will, but it's not really viewed as a scorable offset. What the Senate version of the bill does is it's identified environmental fines and penalties uh, that currently go to the general treasury uh, as the funding mechanism for, for Recovering America's Wildlife Act. But that's only in the Senate bill. And, and for uh, those members of Congress that are looking for a true offset, um, it doesn't quite you know, clear the hurdle for that. So uh, I would say in both uh, the Senate and the House, that's the one remaining issue of just trying to uh, assign a, a scorable offset to, to the bill. That said, we've seen this uh, before and in, in other significant pieces of legislation that if there's a will, there's a way. And so I think that's really been our message to, you know, anybody who's looking to, to contact or reach out to their members of Congress is, you know, just encourage leadership, uh, encouraging their members of Congress to uh, push to get this bill towards the floor. And, 
you know, it's one thing this town does real well is work on a, you know, work on deadlines and uh, right up to the last minute sometimes. So we feel like the best strategy at this point is continue to push towards the floor. And we do know that there's active discussions going on in, in both the Senate and the House amongst the bill sponsors and leadership to uh, identify a, a scoreable offset or a pay for. Yeah. Well, and if, if folks have ideas that hadn't been thought of yet, uh, come to the table in, yeah, it's, it's challenge finding what's, you know, where's there 1.4 billion in federal revenue available at the uh, house Senate Republicans, Democrats can all agree to, but yeah, to your point where there's a will, there's a way. And I think there's enough momentum behind this and enough smart people working on it that hopefully that can all get hashed out because I think they're what, what there is broad agreement on is the need. I think that's demonstrated by the bipartisan co-sponsors and the, uh, the broad coalition that's formed around this. So important details to get worked out, but uh, hopefully we can, we can get that done. And uh, yeah, folks in the industry, if you haven't yet, hopefully you have um, want to weigh in and get your voice heard, uh, go to keepamericafishing.org and we have an action alert up there where you can quickly send a, a note to your, House of Representatives and, and uh, U.S. Senators and urge them to support this bill and uh, provide that industry voice and need behind getting this done. And, and thanks again, Kurt, for all the work AF was put into this. And I feel like we're, we're close. We're not there yet, but we're, we're getting there. Um, let's switch gears, if we could. I wanted to touch on something else big that we're working on that is enacted, but this is where sometimes there's more work after um, a bill gets signed into law than, than getting it to that point. And that's the bipartisan infrastructure law. A lot, lot, lot of funding provided in that for natural resource management conservation. And um, this is another great role that AFWA has helped serve is helping to organize the community behind um, keeping track of and providing input on where this pretty massive influx of funding can and should go. So um, Kurt, can you speak some to the role that you and AFWA have played and uh, where we see continued need for engaging on the uh, the implementation of the bipartisan infrastructure law. Yeah, happy to, Mike. And, you know, again, another, uh, you know, generationally significant uh, piece of legislation, especially when you, you know, you think about your members in the uh, sport fishing industry, uh, things like hydroconnectivity, um, fish passage, uh, we're real big winners uh, in the bipartisan infrastructure law. And, you know, to, to see the type of funding that's going to be uh, infused to address, um, you know, aquatic habitat, hydroconnectivity, connectivity in general corridors um, is, uh, is staggering. And, and what we're looking at is, a, you know, a five-year uh, you know, from FY22 through uh, FY26, um, some significant funding that's going to be um, going towards these activities. So, you know, immediately um, what we've been trying to do is just understanding that a lot of this work is going to be done in the states and it's going to be done, uh, need to be done in partnership with the state fish and wildlife agencies. You know, we've been trying to, uh, you know, do a, a, a better job of accounting for all the various buckets. Uh, it's a complicated piece of legislation. All of the funding uh, for fish passage doesn't just go to one agency. Um, it is spread out amongst a number of agencies from U.S. Forest Service to NOAA to U.S. Army Corps to Fish and Wildlife Service. So uh, we've been certainly encouraging uh, leadership within this administration to, um, to, to coordinate uh, to make sure that we are you know, making efficient use of, of all of these funds and that we're doing so in a coordinated manner. So that's been one of our, our, our messages. And you know, to your point too, as far as you know, being able to uh, to document what we're doing is, you know, it's it's one thing to to spend the money, but it's also to do so in a 
a way that we can, you know, track the progress, report back to Congress on what we've, you know, successfully done. And, you know, by the time we get to FY26, hopefully we've got a really great story to tell that tells Congress that it, you know, we made good on their investment and look what we did and, and, you know, look what we were able to change and improve upon for, you know, all of our collective members and for citizens of the United States. One of the areas that we've really been focusing in on, you know, the, the federal agencies were really under the gun uh, in FY22 to push projects out the door um, and to show progress in, in, in getting uh, funds expended. So where our focus has really been is looking at FY23 through 26 and uh, looking to, to find a, a better way to coordinate and collaborate. Um, you know, we've been trying to, we've been working really closely with uh, TRCP through the Rosa Conservation Partnership, uh, folks at NIFHAP, uh, which I know you're a member of their board, Mike, um, just trying to, you know, start up the conversation um, such that we can be partners at the table, comparing priorities, setting priorities, and, you know, making sure that um, as this work is, is rolling out and getting done, uh, that it's being done so in a coordinated manner. This is just too much funding for one federal agency or one state agency or for one NGO or for the tribes to do on their own. So, uh, you know, it's critically important that uh, we're all sitting down, we're talking together, and I'm really optimistic about opportunities this summer to, at least in the, the fish passage space, to really make some progress on identifying priorities with the federal family of partners and uh, making sure that uh, we can really be thoughtful uh, in our approach to uh, putting habitat on the ground. Right. Well, yeah, the <clears throat> fish passage, culvert removal, I mean, yeah, there was uh, substantial funding in there for a lot of things that will benefit uh, fisheries and conservation. But um, it's a little bit daunting to think about you know, how you get that much money out the door in a relatively short period of time. And yeah, to your point, FY22 was a bit of a rush, um, too quick to you know, really steer a ton of that. But um, yeah, I think the longer term plan of uh, sort of learning as things have rapidly evolved over the last few months, and then how we can ensure going forward that uh, we've got a meaningful say in making sure that the highest and best use of these dollars go on the ground where they're needed. And yeah, you're right, things like the National Fish Habitat Partnership, NIFAP, are an ideal model to help um, direct a lot of that spending. And I, you know, to their credit, I think the federal agencies are very w- willing and eager to get that um, uh, guidance from groups like ours. It's just, uh, I think it's daunting for them too to figure out how to, to make this all work. But um, certainly longer term investments that will will pay off for us. Um, but where there needs to be, you know, folks up here working on this stuff and talking to the agencies and making sure they understand the priorities and, and efficient ways to do this stuff. So yeah, but like I said, thanks to AFWA and, and TRCP for helping to guide the sportsman's community towards that important effort. Um, it's where, again, we all work together. We all complement each other. And, uh, you know, I think greater than the, the sum of our parts by working together on these types of things. So, Kurt, you got anything else uh, kind of coming up at AFWA? I know your annual meeting's a few months off. We had the North American a few months ago. Um, anything else keeping you busy? Yeah, it's just, um, you know, those are probably the two, um, you know, biggest uh, high profile things we're working on. But obviously, um, as, as you well know, uh, it's appropriation season. So we're, we're certainly you know, paying attention there and weighing in where we can uh, on uh, what our priorities are in regards to uh, the federal budget. So, you know, that's certainly getting our attention. And, you know, it's also just keeping eyes on uh, whether it's uh, regulations, policies uh, coming from the administration um, or legislation, you know, that which is, uh, 
um, you know, supportive of uh, our, our states and our members and also things that um, might draw some concerns. So uh, a full-time job, a mixed bag, but uh, never a, a dull moment here in, uh, in this space. Yeah, plenty to keep us busy. Uh, a lot of it good, some of it concerning, but it <laughs> it keeps us busy for sure. Well, thanks, Kurt, for your time, for, for joining us here on the show. Uh, lots of great insight. Again, folks, go to keepamericafishing.org for more information on uh, Covering America's Wildlife Act. And um, you can also go to AFWA's uh, website. I think you all have some social media, too, and your site is fishwildlife.org. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. And uh, for folks that are looking for uh, um, a straight conduit into more information about Recovering America's Wildlife Act, whether that be talking points or fact sheets, uh, they can also go to our nature USA, uh, all one word.com. Again, just very excited about uh, the prospects there and appreciate all the help from you and your members and, and seeing if we can't get this done. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll have you back on after it gets enacted to celebrate and talk about uh, all the next steps there. Hopefully, there you sooner go. than later. So, all right, Kurt. Well, thanks again for your time. Yeah, thank you, Mike. It's a pleasure. Thanks again to Kurt for taking the time to share his insights with us. The show notes will contain links to the websites we mentioned, including Keep America Fishing and Our Nature USA. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with the next episode. But in the meantime, please subscribe, give us a five-star review, and share the Politics of Fish podcast with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thanks for listening and tight lines.